the time of Reagan and before the rise of Seagal, Snipes, and Van Damme, there was an age undreamed of. Unto this land came Arnold the Austrian. He was a barbarian, a demigod, a killer robot from the future, and he was destined to wear the crown of Hollywood upon a troubled brow. It is only his chroniclers, Mike Gillis and Casey Doran, who can tell you of his legend. This is his saga. Podcast de la Vista, baby. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Terminator does what Nintendo don't. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I was wondering how long it would take. Terminator blast. And apparently negative three seconds. <laughs> Terminator blast processing. <laughs> Terminator Mega Drive. Yeah. Or um, the last one I had was Terminator Night Trap. Not, the, just, not Terminator 32X. 32X. Terminator CD. So we are, of course, talking about the fourth and hopefully final Terminator <laughs> franchise. Fingers crossed, fingers crossed, fingers crossed. I think mercifully this movie kind of terminates itself <laughs> Arnold can self-terminate <laughs> but uh, we we're talking about Terminator Genesis from the year 2015 directed by Alan Taylor who did Thor the Dark World yeah and a lot of television things like Lost Six Feet Under Game West of, Wing Game of Thrones I think Game of Thrones yeah. Deadwood Mad Men so not like two broke girls we're talking about like prestige <laughs> TV he didn't <laughs> he didn't direct the whole series of Becker on CBS you know, he's got he's got some chops yeah so of course let's get right into it with our guest you, you've heard him a couple times now we're talking of course to Mr. Sam Mulvey of the Ask an Atheist podcast and again radio show yeah so Sam this is your second time on the show welcome back thank you Yes, he was. You, Sam, was, I have to take this opportunity now that we've got Sam here because he was our benefactor for so many years. <laughs> and if it were not for the gentle tutelage and hospitality of Sam and his lovely wife Becky, we there would be no show at this point. And so, luckily, we've our fans and and listeners have gifted us the ability to not completely. Uh, poop on your doorstep every single time that we have to do a show, and so I'm so happy to have you here in Valverde. No, if you pooped on my bo- on my doorstep, you cleaned it up. So <laughs> yeah. I, no, I would eat it. Yeah. Oh, so it is kind of an interesting. Okay. An interesting. We're doing John Waters today on <laughs> yeah. okay. podcast La Vista Baby. Uh, it's good to have you kind of on for this one, Sam, because you get to be at the two ends of the Arnold spectrum, where he's <laughs> really, really young, and then when he's really, really old. Yeah, and it's. It's a contrast. It's kind of like a, a circle. He kind of comes around there, and he probably turns into kind of an Arnold star baby when those two ends meet. <laughs> I think that's where this is headed, of course. My so, first question is what that would smell like. I don't know why, but that was my first question. Whatever it smells like to oil up a bodybuilder. Yeah, and whatever, oh, coconut, so much. Coconut so much, oil. Yeah. So much of Linseed it. oil. Yeah, coconut oil, and for some reason, bologna? So, Sam, <laughs> you, since you've already been on and you've talked about your relationship with Arnold, Arnold in general, mm-hmm. uh, can you give us a recap on your history with the Terminator franchise, and um, what's your history with this movie in particular? Oh, boy. Um, so the Terminator franchise, I mean, I saw the, the first Terminator movie was one of the movies that my dad probably shouldn't have let me watch. Yes. Uh, and it was pretty good, uh, and, you know, I, I, it's not like when he showed me Poltergeist and scared the crap out of me. I was already pretty much a, a veteran movies I shouldn't watch guy by the time I saw Terminator. Um 
and I'll be honest with you, I haven't really watched it much since uh, since my teenage years. Uh, I didn't, and I, I decided not to go back and watch it for this movie uh, for reasons that now completely escape me. Um, uh, Terminator Two was good. Uh, you know, I was a I think it was a freshman in high school when it came out, and every everybody just seems to I'd say love that movie, but it's a, like slobbery slobbery kisses all over the movie's uh sensitive Guilty. parts yeah um <laughs> i'm not gonna deny it and 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 it's a decent movie but i don't know that it's that decent of a movie um and then uh terminator uh three and four uh i saw purely because riff tracks was doing it and i was like all right well here's my chance to watch the rest of the terminator movies and then this movie yes Oh, uh, so I'm about to get arrested because it was the first movie I saw on YouTube that was reversed and had like a weird drippy thing. And, and I mean, have you seen that people like post full movies and they do effects on it so that they get they, caught by and they last for like a week? Yeah, and then they get taken. Down. I was watching yeah. a Scott Manley video. I was watching this guy play Kerbal Space Program that ended. And then this weird thing happened. I was like, "What the hell is this? <laughs> like, what, what the what's going what's going on?" And 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 then I just realized. This is Terminator Genesis, like flipped over, sped, like like slowed down by one point one and a quarter times, and and a little bird dancing in the corner. I, like this is just the weirdest freaking thing. Yeah, also, I might be arrested any moment. <laughs> um, We're gonna get swatted. You know, <laughs> <laughs> don't get fans. Don't swat us. Please. And so that's how I watched it, and I realized, and, and at that moment, I'm like, oh god, this is oh, oh I don't know, I don't know. And then I just realized that. Uh, this was just a really, really terrible movie. Um, and I wonder how much that held up, because I, I got a legit copy and watched it legit for this, because, you know, law. Because <laughs> you got to torture yourself. Yeah. And, um, you know, you can get them for free from the library, so <laughs> you don't have to spend any I money. I said legit. I didn't yeah. say I paid for it. Yeah, I, right. I got it from the library. Right. Um, and uh, 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 it's not, all, you know, uh, spoiler alert. Not as bad as I remember. Really? I kind of yeah. went the opposite hmm. direction on that. So before we kind of get into that, with a question that I feel like I'm practically cruel asking any human <laughs> being to do, if you had to sum up the plot of Terminator Genesis in a paragraph or two, what is this movie about? Everything you like about the previous four Terminator movies, and I mean all four of them, happens in iPod shuffle order, and that's it. <laughs> I, there's there's uh oh boy all right so it starts with uh john connor and kyle reese in the future um where john connor the first time actually looks like somebody who would who, who might conceivably lead uh a future like war against the machines and have his face repeatedly hit by a metal spatula <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> uh and, and that was pretty good um and they go back, and and it's it's the it's the it starts with where what happened immediately before the first Terminator movie, where Skynet is blown up. They're taking the time machine stuff, and they realize that, and and John Connor's realizing, ah, okay, this is the end of my story. Um, and they send him back, and then Doctor Who shows up and chokes a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> And uh, and and then there's this like, oh, I'm having two lives. And then they go back to 1984, and a cavalcade of T-800s happens. And they do a little can-can. Um, and did you watch the same movie as this? <laughs> <laughs> I no, I, it's it. And then just 
many Arnold Schwarzeneggers happen at the same time. This is this is his Doctor Strange love. This is a hot mess of a movie. A, yeah, it really is. There's the there's the robotic. There's there's the uh, uh, the CG Arnold, so that he's young and muscular and whatever. And then he fights old Arnold. And then somebody off screen hits him with one of those anti tank rifles, and that gets rid of him. And then oh no, Sarah Connor isn't Sarah Connor anymore. She's Sarah. She's uh, Darnarius Connor. And uh, is that her name? I don't know. Amelia I don't, yeah. Clark. Yeah. Amelia Clark. I don't yes. watch that show. Yeah. Um, the second Game of Thrones actress to play Sarah Connor, yes, by the way. Yes, true. Lena yeah. Headley. Uh, and then there's a, a, a T-1000. That's a guy who does nothing. And then there are cops who don't do anything. It's weird that the T-1000, who they don't turn into uh, CGI Robert Patrick, which was merciful. They just got another guy to be another T-1000. Yeah, that was pretty good. Uh, the, the one character who's the least CGI-y is the T-1000. He's I... got to be the greatest irony. <laughs> <laughs> that well, he... he's fairly easy to render now. I yeah. mean, yeah. uh, you, you got one mid-range graphics card, and you can basically make T-1000 in your room. If there's one thing that you can do really well with a computer now, it's make a lot of really cool-looking silver stuff. Right. <laughs> and... <laughs> <laughs> that was the that was the real genius in two. Is just like silver goop. We can make it. Yeah, and then they go to 2017 and they kill Steve Jobs. Just, yeah. Oh god. Da, 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 that's, the, that's the movie. And then yes. you just add you just add Terminator pastiche at at like seemingly like every five minutes you do a Terminator bit. This in is, this movie. This is almost like a two hundred million dollar Terminator fan film. This was a two hundred million dollar fan film. It was. I mean, I'm sorry. I I, I agree. It's a fan <laughs> film. It was two hundred million dollars. You're just I'm incredulous guessing. at the budget. I'm guessing, but I, I'm you, not surprised. Well, uh, this is a fractured timeline movie. So you know, blame uh, you know Back to the Future two for all of this. You know, the new Star Wars movie, the De- X Men Days of the Future Past. This is exactly the same way of. How do we do another movie? Well, the only way we can do another movie because it involves time travel is fractured timeline. Yeah. So this is this is an, this is one sort of genus, one subtype of the soft reboot type of movie. Th- this failed to do what the Star Trek reboot did, and that's my first point: is this mm. was a blown chance to build a new mythology for the Terminator franchise? Yep. Yep. Is this you- was going to be a Legend of King Arthur? With three movies, this was going to be a new trilogy. Oh, was it? Yeah, okay. I don't. I don't. Well, think no, that's not happening. No. Um, no. Nope. Uh, where? Yeah, the, there's something happens, and they're all orphans of time, and the whole story <laughs> is completely different now. And it was enough to. It was enough to say, okay, we're we're telling a, a different story within the Terminator universe. Uh, just like they did with Star Trek, mm-hmm. uh, in a way that said the movies still happen, but this is different now. Uh, and they, but they were so tied to they were the, the the makers of this movie were so in love with the terminator franchise that they couldn't get away from the old stuff they didn't get far enough away it's almost yeah. like a plot as a bar conversation or as a message board yeah right because this is the sort of conversations that i used to see on on cbr's message board they'd have a board called the rumble board Mm-hmm. which is like, oh, Batman versus the Predator. And then people go, oh, this is what I'd have to do to take this guy down. And it sounds like there are, it's like there are entire scenes of this movie that do that with like the T-1000. Or like, right. oh, there actually is a gun that was invented by the 80s that could take out a T-800. So I'm going to have a scene where I have the prep work to do that, or I'm going to have an acid trap ready for, where it almost feels like it's, kind of giving up plot and character in the service of doing something self-referential or clever. Yeah. Like the word to, to continue my Star Trek uh, comparison. The problem with the Star Trek reboot movies is that they go too far away from the 
uh, from the source material where it's not recognizable as Star Trek anymore. Sure. Where the, the, these this doesn't get far enough away, and hmm. everything that they everything that they do to blow your mind, which is a thing that I'm going to say because it's something that the the writer and the the director were really trying to do with this movie and utterly failed to do in a in an amazing way. Yeah. Um. It just is 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 inconsequential compared to the fact that you have to hit every note of the Terminator franchise. Otherwise, people might not recognize it as a Terminator movie. It is movie. maximum yeah. fan service. It's, yeah. it's a little out of control in that respect. I think that I think if you could say one thing about one thing in this movie's favor is that it le- it learned from the failures of Terminator Three. See last week's episode of Terminator Month to understand this so much so that it retcons. Terminator 3 and maybe Terminator 2 out of existence. They basically just say, okay, well, we're we're warping from 1984 to 2017. Yeah. Um, and which makes the inevitable apocalypse like a, a gone and also the, the 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 patch job that they did in terminator 2 totally gone so it's a way of them sort of wiping the slate clean so they don't actually have to adhere to the strict like causality of those two of those two movies and it protects terminator 2 it allows the, uh, it yeah, allows terminator 2 to exist and be its its thing and just be this wonderful it, and it allows Mike's uh, livelihood and, and happiness. <laughs> so be, I don't know about unim- happiness. To be unimpinged because it can't self-flagellation. Because More within like the it. within the and this is within the context of the movie, Terminator Two is safe. Yeah, kind of. They kind of jump over it. Yeah, that's my um, point. Yeah. yeah, it's it's weird this this whole thing because they almost they threaten you with it. Yeah, they threaten you with ooh, we're gonna fuck with Terminator Two. Woo! and then it's a meaningful scene, and they don't. But because we have, and they go to now. Because Arnold again is playing a good guy Terminator, yeah. we have this situation where it's that's the element of Terminator Two. But again, they forget the elements of Terminator Two that are great, which is that Arnold is a good guy Terminator, but he's still a reprogrammed Terminator. Mm-hmm. So if you left him to his own devices, he's still going to rip heads off. Mm. And the thing you, mean, I- you mean you didn't like the transition of Arnold Schwarzenegger's character going from named Terminator to Guardian or Pops. Yeah, his his uh, in the script and in the credits he's Guardian. Didn't bother me. But the the constant well, weird I mean, that'll smiling tell, that'll tell you how far removed that you are from the first Terminator movie, but right? At least... He can't he can't like you were saying last week, he can't be the bad guy anymore. But unlike Terminator 3, which was a mess, like which I I I like I think less than you guys did last week. Um uh the, it's established, and one of the points that I make yeah. is that this is a this is a movie. This is the first Terminator movie that realizes it's science fiction. Well, I'll give it, you, I'll, it really, I'm sorry. The the first one is pure action. The second one is a is a high school love story between <laughs> a, a boy and his robot. Uh, the the, it's the Iron Giants. Yeah, the set third, in the 90s. The third one is is I uh, a, bed, a Bed Bath and Beyond dad. Uh, the fourth one is just Nolan Batman four, and this one like kind of understands that it's in a science fiction universe and plays to science fiction tropes in a way that the previous movies don't. It does a it does kind of a weird thing with the time travel element is that time travel has existed in every Terminator movie. Yeah. But it was always just a way of putting pieces on the board. Mm-hmm. It was never really addressed after that. Then. Which is fine. Yeah. But if they're, if you're reestablishing the Terminator as a franchise and you're going, well, it's a, we're, we're, we're going to pay attention to the science fiction aspects of this world now. I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. And the idea that you take this robot really, 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 really far outside of its design parameters. I mean, mm-hmm. we don't know how long Terminators, what the MTBF for a, a Terminator is, but uh, meantime between failure, it's an engineering thing. Mm. Um, 
Uh, but it, you know, given that they're they're to kill the resistance, I can't imagine that a T eight hundred is designed to live very long. No, and so you've yeah. got this Terminator who, the first time you see him. He's probably been alive for far longer than Terminators are supposed to have lived. And then by the end of the story, he's almost as old as Arnold actually is. Yeah. I and and so he starts developing these traits that Terminators aren't supposed to have. That didn't bother me so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you, didn't bother me. Are you talking me. about Red State Doomsday Prepper Terminator? Yeah, Red State Doomsday. The, the, yeah, a, a Terminator who reads guns and ammo. <laughs> and that, who, got, not, who gets laid off as a construction worker. Gets, which was a joke that... I, the, the fact that... <laughs> A former governor of California is making a joke about about people like like blue collar workers getting laid off by high tech corporations in San Francisco. I died. Well, I'm just surprised that they didn't have him listening, like turning on the radio in the van to Michael Savage or making a joke about states' rights, because that's that's inevitably where you want this. Yeah, but he did have creepy pictures of young women all over his (laughs) compound, so that much is accurate. So, is that part of a national park that that hideout? I don't know because there was like a tour guide. There, there were like field trips going there. Nobody ever stumbled upon his like doomsday prepper bunker. I don't know. That was a little weird. But it, it, getting past that, there's like one one of the jarring problems. But I think it's emblematic of a larger tonal problem of the movie, which is uh, casting of both Sarah and John, and uh, Kyle. Yeah. Um. Yeah. J- Jai Courtney is too like. I always felt this about Michael Bean as being a guy who was a great soldier, but he's from a time when you humans live like rats, essentially. Yes. So he looks scrappy and skinny, and he looked like he, he'd he never had enough to eat. It's like Jai Courtney, except for a few scars on his torso, looks like he takes protein powder and works out all day And that long. was one of the things that Becky pointed out, who I honestly think probably should be in this chair right now, given how she responded to this movie. Wow. <laughs> um, but she was like, you know, you've got John Connor who's been repeatedly hit in the face by a metal spatula, going, We all have scars of our fight against the machines! I'm gonna send the beefcake back in time! <laughs> he's got one scar just for funsies yeah. on his shoulder, and that's it. He's Otherwise, really... he's, yeah, he's, he's the most built guy in the movie. He's remarkably well-fed for a guy that's supposed to live in that future. Yeah, I mean, and, like, yeah. isn't, like, a non-trivial portion of his 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 diet dog food? Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Coyote... <laughs> dog food that's past the expiration date because yeah. that factory closed a decade ago <laughs> that's the thing with these characters is that you look at there's that dream sequence in the original Terminator yeah. where Kyle remembers being in that bunker that is not a place where a guy like him lives no um, one everyone is dirty everyone is the thing with Ky- uh, Kyle Reese in the first movie Michael Bean is he has this sort of look about him where you don't know he's the hero at the beginning of the movie because he looks like a scary homeless and guy and this looks right. like John Wayne's The Conqueror yeah. a bit. <laughs> it, it really does it just it's uncomfortable because I mean the thing that you see him is you don't you know that Arnold for sure is the bad guy yeah. you don't know that he's a good guy and when he's following Sarah around in the first movie you're like holy shit stalker yeah where this guy is just he's a beefcake and there's a kind of a too pretty casting yeah, thing he's the Abercrombie and Fitch model on the side of the bag and the same know? thing goes for uh, Amelia Clark as Sarah Connor too which is that this is not Terminator 1 Sarah this is Terminator 2 Sarah not only is it Terminator 2 Sarah she's been Terminator 2 Sarah a decade longer yeah yet the movie I mean all movies have attractive people in them but this movie seems to photograph them specifically to emphasize how attractive they both are I, I think it's because this is a type of movie that needs 
wants to be all things to all people, and so they had to make part of this a date movie, and that's why so much of the dialogue is this f- this fun bickering between two Just characters. Moonlighting. Yeah, two characters are going to be like, well, I'm supposed to fall in love with him. No, I'm not. And they're bickering. No, why didn't you do this? That's the, this element where they you could be jam just... in, jam in, like, this got to be part date movie, part action movie, part fan service. So you speaking know. of fan service, I'd just like to point out that I'm sandwiched by film people, and I'm the science fiction jackass. So, uh, oh. fan fiction, ahoy. But... But the point is, is I, to build off of that, there was like a, the reason I'm bringing this up is that there was like a point in movies where the heroes were always obviously the heroes. And even if the the heroes were in a, in a grimy world, mm-hmm. they were always like makeuped up and oiled mm-hmm. and whatever. And mm-hmm. then that led to sort of a revolution in film that generated films like The Godfather and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Sure. Is this, does this feel like the movies before that revolution? Yes. Yes, it does. Yeah. Because it's it's glamour shots. Yeah. Um, the one Kyle Reese and, and Sarah Connor, this Sarah Connor should not look this way. They shouldn't act this way. That Kyle Reese as a character is like walking PTSD. In a lot of ways, he's kind of like uh, the character of Rick Grimes on The Walking Dead, which is he might be right about a situation and what you need to be to, surpri- to survive it. But Rick Grimes does not know how to not do the thing where you yell at somebody with like the prophet of doom. You don't understand. <laughs> sort of like, you know, it's like, can you can you teach somebody to survive without scaring the shit out of them? And you don't see Kyle Reese smile until, until after the moment that him and Sarah Connor fall in love. Mm-hmm. That's the first time in the movie he smiles because this is a guy whose whole life has been essentially... I mean, this is Tuesday for him. The difference is he doesn't have a laser gun that he could fight this thing with. And for Sarah, this is the worst day of her life. But for the Sarah Connor that's appearing in Terminator Genesis, she's been doing this shit literally since she was nine years old. Mm-hmm. So not only should she not be made up like she's going to go to the prom... But she should be even more hardened than than almost anyone else. That her like Sarah Connor's life ended in nineteen eighty four when the Terminator came for her. Yeah. And her whole life after that point was I'm gonna get ready for the war so I can protect my son and make him the greatest warrior that ever lived. And this is not a person who ever saw a movie after nineteen eighty four or ever went to a restaurant other than like a dive to quickly get in and out. This is somebody who her whole life is like if she's bored, she's gonna field strip a weapon. This doesn't feel like that Sarah. This is a quippy Sarah. These are like a bickering Sarah. She likes the Ramones. These characters should both be the most PTSD'd characters ever. That was one of Becky's like most repeated points when we were discussing the movie afterwards, is that, uh, by the way, she's uh, with you on Terminator 2. Just mm-hmm. I want to I make that clear. Um, is that this, this was... Uh, this was the un. She called it the Sarah Connor in this movie the undoing of a warrior. Yeah. Or the hero's anti journey is what I what I suggested, um, which is in between Terminator and Terminator Two, she's on her own becoming a badass. She's learning all of these things. She's becoming really self sufficient, literally capable of taking on armies of 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 whatever Skynet will throw at her, and it's fine. And and she's just really a badass. And that's how John Connor becomes a badass is because he learns it from his mom. Where in this one, she goes from being a badass completely on her own, where, as Becky put it, uh, instead of being a fighter, she just gets passed from her, tra- her from her trainer to her savior. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And at no point is she actually self-sufficient in this story. No. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's an important point. So we should talk about Pops. Basically, Arnold plays several different Arnolds, but the one that, uh, I guess, really, he only plays one, one Terminator. He only actually plays one yeah, Arnold. Yeah, he has a CG of another one. Yeah. But he, so he is... Aged, I guess he's sort of de-aged in the beginning to be 
like a forty something. Yeah, he's looking, he's looking last action hero. And in the first and, part, uh, yes, he's a little last action hero. And then, and then in the present day, he is stuck behind because he couldn't go through the time machine. His skin had to re- grow back on his arm, and so he's his flesh has aged. So he has this, you know, his white. This is like might be the only time that Arnold Schwarzenegger has white hair mm-hmm. in a movie, which is which is strange. But it's all of the things that we were just talking about on Terminator Three uh, about making the Terminator becoming a parody of a terminator instead of being a robot that happens to have humorous situations that happen around him he's he's doing like the smile thing learn to smile that that the thing that he the gag that he had like in the deleted scene in t2 and to make right? it more cartoony there's like a sound right. when he smiles which is like that's not a good infiltration that was really, unit that was dumb yeah. that was really dumb <laughs> yeah it's like you didn't need to do that yeah but totally. it's, and it never happens again yeah but it's like the it's also the it's just his teeth that make that sound <laughs> you should watch it watch him eat something so if the if the big flaw in Terminator Three was making Ar- the Arnold Terminator like the Terminator Freud, Doctor Terminator Freud, this one's making him Doctor Terminator Quantum Physicist. He's like Data. Yeah, because yeah. all because all he does is he's just like theoretically it is possible that timelines could diverge. Like no, he, he, he was builds never a time machine. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah. It was that was so t- Back to the Future because <laughs> yeah. they, they've they've uh, they've waited till they can get just the right component and they've built their own time machine out of you know out of period parts and then just at the end they kind of plug in like a like a usb flash drive to just plug in the chip from the terminator on the top but i'm like that was ripped entirely from back to the future uh, <laughs> yeah it's but the fact is the terminator wouldn't have time machine technology because a, a skynet one does not want to give that technology out to every single yeah, robot download this seems, all of skynet into this his seems head. like little hyper criticism this is not a terminator sent back in time by uh, oh, that's by right. Skynet to destroy Skynet. This is a Terminator set in b- back in time specifically for the purpose of raising and protecting Sarah Oh, Connor. that's right. He's been sent back by the mystery person that we're never going to learn about because a sequel's never coming out. Yeah. Yeah, because that, that information has the, been erased. Can we, just, can we just call it the architect and just move on? It is the architect. Yeah. Uh, it would have, you know what? It's good that it's not revealed because we know that if they had made that movie, that reveal would have been stupid. Would really, no, he would have really sent dumb. himself back. Yeah. <laughs> That it's it's really stupid. Well, what, what we're not talking about here, though, is we can nitpick all we want, is the elephant in the room, which is, what's a shitty present to get Genesis on a tablet for your birthday that you can't actually use in several days before it comes out? Yeah. That's a terrible <laughs> present. I, I open it up. Oh, I can't use it for like a week. I didn't uh, get any games with there... my Genesis when I got it for Christmas, what? so I know precisely what this feels like. <laughs> but wasn't there a beta version of Genesis? Didn't some people get to try it beforehand because they opted in to oh, the beta? Oh, this is like the Star Wars action figure where they just sold you the empty <laughs> package? I said Steve Jobs very specifically. <laughs> Steve Jobs didn't let shit out until it was done. See, yeah. th- this was my joke. Uh, there are hundreds of millions of people in this world buying Genesis sight unseen. What is this, an Apple product? Hey! <laughs> oh, oh no. I'm sorry. I, I, uh, no, it's fine. I, it's yeah. fine. Because uh, what was the, the tribute? said uh excuse me imdb trivia <laughs> said jason clark who played john connor studied passages from shakespeare and a speech by steve jobs to prepare for his role as john connor and i'm gonna be like okay Can I get john connor in a turtleneck uh, no steve jobs is uh I, I i could say a lot about his tech but he's great if you want to play a villain um <laughs> There's a f- Didn't Tom Hanks try to play Steve Jobs as a villain in that Circle movie? Did he? I think that was kind of the he was a wow. massive character. That one that nobody watched. I no. literally I, I had to I okay, this is a little embarrassing, but I played Satan in a in a video yeah. uh, on YouTube. You can go find it if you like. Um <laughs> where I'm in an office and I've it's, seen it. It's actually the office of K L A Y. And I'm I'm Satan. 
in the in, in this video, and I'm terrible. But uh, I need. He's like, just come up with something that sounds like uh, sounds you know menacing. I'm like okay, so I literally just quoted Steve Jobs for my entire <laughs> for my entire I am Satan sort of soliloquy. Like, yeah, <laughs> like literally reading speeches from Steve Jobs, the best thing this guy could have done <laughs> if he wanted to play a believable villain. In San Francisco, right? Because the because the the the, uh, the twist is that John Connor gets replaced, gets Terminatorized somehow. He's like a Borg. I don't know what happens. Somebody, yeah. Matt, Matt Smith shoves his hand up his ass, and yeah. bl- like little Borg nanotechnology comes out and makes John Connor a Terminator, and so he warps him back to twenty something, so he can basically help Skynet build himself. Right. Predestination paradox all over again in this movie. And then so he uh, then stops becoming John Connor, the inspiring hero, and becomes John Connor, apologist for the apocalypse. <laughs> so is is this John Connor, once he turns into a robot, is has he been brainwashed? Has he been possessed? Has he been replaced? They don't really know if the John that Connor that's talking is still the personality of John Connor. Is yeah. it a simulation of John Connor? Right. They don't do a good job of it's doing an, it. Yeah, it's enough. It's apparently enough of John Connor to have the heartwarming family bonding scene because it's the first time the entire family has been on screen, and then they completely screw it up by by doing this. And this is what I mean by oh, mind blower. Oh, what if John Connor is the bad guy? Yeah, and it's like this is. No, this is a mind blower just for the sake of fucking with me. This does nothing for the story. It makes nothing better. It kills any chance of interacting between honestly pretty good actors. I have a point about that. And and what do they do? It's like, okay, this is really cool. All three three people who are completely sealed off from time in a world none of them understand being helped by a robot who is completely unable to handle the world that he's in. And is just failing, and now they have to fight Skynet. And then they like I would I would have liked it if they just left it there. Yeah. If they just you, you don't need to fuck with my head every time. But the fact that it's a guy trying to kill his own parents before they've conceived him, yeah. they actually throw that at him, and he has no good answer. Like the screenplay gave itself a gave itself the hardest question and had no answer. It's like <laughs> yeah. they don't put the question in the movie. <laughs> and it, you know they tried to build up to it and make it make it like it's a big deal that ooh you know they they work on it where, where they're trying to like I don't know they're trying to make it suspenseful. Yeah. I don't want to say suspenseful because Becky called it when they were still in the freaking ER before yeah. he even showed up. And that's one of the things about this movie that mm. is really that 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 really this movie really fails is that it tries to be a movie that has some suspense in it, some twists, some turns. Becky called literally every hinge in this movie. Yeah. Literally every hinge. And I love Becky. I, you know, she's a wonderful human being. Movie narratives, not her thing. And she openly admits it. The only other movie where she she had done this, she said by her own admission, was The Village. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, you gotta find... Th- That's the thing, is that with this movie, it's trying so hard to surprise you but it does. If you're not going to surprise people, anyways, might as well just make it good. And yeah. I think I've had this conversation with our friend Paul Rue in the past, which is there are things that are shocking and surprising, but not good, and there are things that are completely predictable, but they're so well made that you don't care. Hmm. Um, it's nice to have a shocking thing. It's even better to have a shocking thing that has a fucking point. Mm-hmm. And I don't think this movie ever really does it. It makes itself so needlessly complicated where simple is always best for the Terminator. Yeah. It's about Terminator, no matter what it is, should be about an unstoppable, unfeeling killing machine trying to kill a specific person and them just trying to survive. And that everything built on is it built on top of just that. But my whole point 
for this was that this was a way to get away from that and to do something interesting in the same world that was different in some way. Yeah. Because I don't want Unstoppable Killing Machine for every movie that it, like, I was gonna... we, do, we we've done this. The, the, this is not when Terminator first came out in when it uh, what year? 1984. 1984. Uh, it was groundbreaking. It did stuff that really hadn't you know people have been talking about in science fiction for years, but hadn't really been done in the film in this way. But now it's a whole genre. Yeah. yeah. And and you don't need to do this the story anymore. It's it, it, you've done it. You've done it perfectly. It's time to move on. It kind of lapses into. I think we have a very different fan base from 1984. That mm-hmm. we're we're much nerdier and much more critical and much more. We evaluate the fiction and the pop culture we take in. Like there are entire wiki pages devi- devoted to all sorts of TV shows that just analyze and pick apart all the mythology and uh, the stories and the history of everything. But you can lapse into what I refer to as continuity porn. Mm. This movie is continuity porn. Yeah. That aside from, hey, do you remember that too? It kind of does it the same way like the family guy does it, where there's no real point other than, hey, you recognize this thing, right? The T-1000 is back. There's no reason for the T-1000 specifically to be back. That could just be another T-800 Terminator. But, but that doesn't make you a thing like, hey, I recognize that. And that's not... A thing, that's just a moment of recognition. And the thing you feel in that moment is not for this movie. It's for the other movie you remember it from. And it's the cheapest thing a filmmaker can do. Yeah, I, I think, well, I think the cheapest thing the filmmaker... I, let's, let's draw that back a little bit. So this movie tried to do something a little bit different, right? Because think about what the idea of Skynet... So the villain is Skynet. Uh, from from Terminator 2 on, the villain is Skynet, right? Because in Terminator 1, the villain was just the robot. Right. And then... As you scaled up, it's like, okay, well, it's also this horrible potential future of this army of robots. Well, Skynet becomes software in three and then now becomes an, an operating system, I suppose. Something, you know, akin, something like that's akin to Facebook. And there's a big, like, this is the message. This is the message. Like, showing when they're in the emergency room and they see people that, like, can't take their eyes off their tablets or their phones or whatever. Um, this This at least tries to have... Sort of a similar, you could say there's a veneer of a message about the futility of nuclear nuclear weapons from Terminator 2, right? There's a there's there's a little bit of a social protest in doing right. that here, and there certainly is in this a little bit of like a a little bit of like a maybe we should think about what we're doing with our technology. It may not make sense to say that the Pentagon would be like, let's run all of our systems on Facebook OS, <laughs> let's yeah. run, let's run the missile systems on Facebook OS. But still, at least... Don't give them ideas. (laughs) But still, this is like, you know, this is trying to elevate this sort of the same, the the milieu of of social critique that was started with James Cameron into another era. And at least that in and of itself is praiseworthy, I'd say. It's it's ham-fisted as hell, but it's still praiseworthy. I am totally with you on it. it. As a technologist, it made me throw up a little bit. But... The idea that instead of it just all like starting and at all times being a conflict between Skynet and humanity is that at least in this movie, like humanity wanted something that Skynet offered. They built Skynet. It wasn't accidental. Everybody, you know, getting uh, MySpace viruses as it was in three uh and it wasn't a, and it wasn't a, a government you know contractor gig as it was in two and one where this guy uh, skynet was built intentionally for some purpose right that served humanity right and that was that was a that was a step in the right direction as far as i'm concerned and that's what i mean a little bit by at least this movie recognizes that it's science fiction sure 
Uh, the yeah. parts that I I don't like are the things where it's needlessly self-referential. Yes. Like, for mm. instance, uh, Danny Dyson yeah. being the scientist behind it. That's, of course, the kid with the remote-controlled car in Terminator 2. <laughs> yeah. And I guess that's supposed to be Miles Dyson, uh, Courtney B. Vance, playing his yeah. dad, who's yeah. barely a character. Yeah. And everything about this character of Danny Dyson just screams to me they couldn't get Joe Morton. Yeah. yeah. And Joe Morton at least would have an emotional reaction if I saw him on screen again. One, because he's a great actor, but two, because the thing that was great about Miles Dyson, the character, was that he wasn't trying to create a doomsday weapon. And that there's that moment in Terminator 2 where he's talking about the possibilities after Sarah tries and chooses not to kill him. And he's like, we were finding things we wouldn't believe you hear. You see him start to get almost excited about it. And then he catches himself. Yeah. Like what would this guy be? He's just excited about the possibilities of this new technology. And this is going to be great. And I could see that guy being the Steve jobs. Mm -hmm. And that that's kind of cool. And I guess part of what I find myself doing with this movie is similar to what I did with Prometheus, which is it's frustrating in a way that makes me want to try to fix it in my head. Yes, that is that is like about half of our converse. Me and Becky's half half of our conversation was about what we would have done differently in this movie. Because there are shitty movies where you're like that's garbage, throwing it away, never thinking about it. But this one is the insidious kind where you just it gets in your head and you're like, okay, I'm going to be hypothetical screenwriter now. Mm. What do I do this? And it's like, what are the pieces that almost work? And those are the parts that really bug you. Yeah, which is um, you got a promising beginning, which is this is the pre original Terminator. He goes in there, and the idea is Kyle Reese is going to jump into the wrong movie. And that's a great starting point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what if, instead of this being like Terminator clusterfuck, there's all these different monsters from all different parts of the timeline. What if there's just one Terminator? And he's been there since the 70s, and Kyle Reese is too late, and Sarah's already made herself into the badass. But this one Terminator has survived for two decades, and he is old Arnold. Yeah. And he's smarter, and he's more clever in ways that a Terminator's never lived that long. Like, he's managed to survive and self-repair, and he's fucking mean. And you go back to, if we're going to do Terminator 1 nostalgia... And we want to flip the script again. Arnold's got to be the bad guy. Well, Arnold has to be kind of like evil Dale Cooper in the new season of Twin Peaks, right? Like he's had 30 years to become a criminal mastermind and he and he's built sort of in the fringes. He's built a uh, a proto cyberdyne, right? A, a basically a cartel essentially. So he is the bad guy and he's been able to he's been able to accrue instead of just wandering one person down the road hoping to spot something and kill it, he he plays chess a few three or four steps ahead and starts to make an empire, right? Uh, you know, a, a, a network of spies, uh, you know, f- methods to fund itself, agents who assassinate, agents who will work for him, right? What if it's not even about killing Sarah Connor at a certain point? It's about, I don't even need to kill John Connor. I can do things to make John Connor obsolete in the future. Sure. Where some scrappy resistance thing it can't forge whether John Connor's there or not. Nothing can forge. I like, I like Arnold in this movie. Uh, I, and one of the reasons why I like Arnold this movie is that he's not he he's he's the substrate upon which this movie exists. He's not he he's not really a character. I, I mean he has he has a job and that's it. And it's really about these other people. It's not about the killing machine. And I I, I kinda get it. Like one of the things that we that Becky and I really liked about this movie 
is the fact that they actually humanize Skynet a little bit. They do it, again, in the most ham-fisted way possible. Sure. The little boy. By making I, him I a little wait boy. To, I can't wait to meet you. And then, so they create it, <laughs> and then they completely just, one, it's, ham, it's a ham-fisted introduction. They should have introduced this, the fact that it was a little boy, like, 30 minutes previously right. in a two-hour movie. Have I mentioned that this is... Uh, <laughs> the little boy thing makes me not want to order Genesis. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that was the thing, is that Becky's... It's worse Becky's, than Bob. Microsoft Becky's supposition Bob. was that, okay, evil Skynet got uh, got John, John Connor. John Connor is not the savior of humanity. Judgment Day doesn't go down... Uh, doesn't go down the way it's supposed to go down. They have to kill John Connor. They succeed in k- killing John Connor. Don't kill Skynet, but it's this little boy. And now, and now, it's still the same story of having to raise a protector of humanity. But now you've got Kyle Reese and and Sarah Connor raising Skynet. <laughs> That's something <laughs> which new, I thought would have been a much better film. No. And then Becky took it for that. Like that was the kind of repair we were going to do. Is that mm-hmm. no? John Connor is the bad guy. They killed John Connor. Now they got this little boy who really is a little boy, is a scared artificial intelligence, doesn't know what the fuck is going on, and now they have to take care of it in order to prevent it from murdering all of humanity. <laughs> they have to use tools they don't have in order to save the world. Oh. Suddenly the, the pile of guns doesn't help you. Right. Yeah. That that at least is interesting, because that's something new with the series. It's I, This thing is so needlessly complicated mm-hmm. that it feels like there are things if you're going to jump them ahead to 2017 jump them ahead to 2017 and leave the 80s out but if you want to do just an 80s pastiche leave 2017 out so i would say what if this time you're watching the beginning of terminator they're like when time did he jump back to 2017 <laughs> that doesn't make any sense that's before the war yeah and have them jump back just out of curiousness and um, that's the sort of thing that it's like they've already changed the timeline. Right. I mean, do something that is just kind of that makes you go, wait a minute, this isn't the same thing. Um, I. <sighs> no, 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 because these type of movies are based not on that. They're based on the opposite, which is, wait a minute. Oh, that's something I recognize. Wasn't that whole that wasn't that James Cameron's whole thing about was, him going back and becoming a promoter of this movie is because I he was, tra- was, he was I, trying to protect his legacy, I suppose. I got the impression because after this movie, I know that in 2018, 2019, the rights to Terminator, because Carol Co., who made the first two Terminators, went out of business between two and three and a company bought it up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that this was probably part of the deal for him to buy the rights back. Got it. <laughs> and not... Sh- I mean, thing is, uh, James Cameron is not as much willing to watch the world burn as, say, like an Alan Moore is. So if you give him a Faustian deal to get the rights to his baby back, he'll play along and give you a cover blurb. Sure. Sure. But I There, I have there to was imagine. a story reason they had to go back to, to the 80s, and that was to establish the difference in the world that mm-hmm. made 2017 possible. Right. Now, why did they actually do it? So they could make it a Terminator pastiche. Well, well, yeah, well, they had to visually represent a fractured timeline. Well, yeah, and right? that's it. And this, that's another part of the reason why I think this is, a sto- this is a movie that recognizes that it's a science fiction movie, uh, which led to the theory that Terminator 3 is a movie that is just dumb and demands that you be dumb. This a mo- this is a movie that is dumb, but politely requests that you be stupid for the viewing of the movie. <laughs> and that, it's an improvement. It's not much of an improvement. You know what it reminded me of, and it took me a while to think about this. It reminds me of a Scream movie. 
Oh, where God. it's this sort of self-referential, let's all laugh at the tropes of the thing that we're in mm-hmm. with really attractive people. And it's yeah. really trying hard to be clever and quippy. And that's not Terminator. No. I mean, there are movies that are horror movies and are sci-fi movies that are also funny. Mm-hmm. And like like Evil Dead has this sort of undercurrent of crazy Three Stooges slapstick. So when you do crazy shit with Ash... It makes sense because that's the world you created. That's the tone you created. But Terminator's always been fairly grim with just moments of humor release as a kind of a coping mechanism to the story. Yeah. So we For them to go full on, like, almost a spoof of Terminator in right. this one. Like, right. this movie has, in my mind, the worst scene in the entire franchise. And I'm willing even to say Does that- it have music? Yes, it does. I think I know which one this is. Okay, Sam. No, tell, no, no. Is, is I, it, I, do you want me to? Is it loading loading ammunition into the into the clips? No. Oh, okay. Is this it, is the arrest uh, sequence it, on the bridge. The oh, oh no! Oh no! Yes. Becky's. We we were both like ah. It was like bad boys. <laughs> Okay, remember when I said that Talk to the Hand was incredibly dated in Terminator 3? <laughs> this is so much worse. This is this is like Ter- Arnold doing the Macarena. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, okay, so they all get arrested. Um, this is a, a classic Terminator trope where the heroes get arrested, and the cops just don't understand the, the danger everyone is in. It's like, let them go. They're trying to warn you what this means is police slaughter is coming. Yeah. Uh, the Terminator is going to attack the place that they are held hostage at. That's how you build tension. You don't build tension by having humorous mug shots where Arnold does the goofy <laughs> smile, and they're playing the fucking theme to cops. cops. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Is that show even still on? <laughs> Are the millennials watching this movie have any fucking clue the reference that is being made? Oh. It, it, is this an idea that the writer had for the Terminator franchise like 10 years ago? And he's like, fuck you, I'm putting it in this movie? I want to believe this is a shitty producer and this is the only way they could get him to shut the fuck up because he wouldn't. He's like, oh, you know what would be really funny when they get arrested? You know what would be great? And they're like, fuck! <laughs> and then they're like, fine, just put it in. He will leave us alone. You, we, we have not mentioned what I think is the best part about the movie. Goddamn time-traveling robots covering up their goddamn tracks. Uh, J.K. Simmons yes! is the best part of this whole movie. I, he is. I do love J.K. Simmons. Um, he's frequently the best part of a movie that he's in. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. he's kind of great, and he actually is grounded in a goofy way, in a way that... I like the fact that he shows up, and they're like, have you been drinking? And he just doesn't say anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they walk away from him. But I like the idea of uh, this guy who is just kind of the... the of the police force who I, uh, I, I wanted a, him to be a character that went along with them that provided the uh, that provided the sort of the reference for us as the viewers because in this movie the reference for us as the viewer I guess is we're omniscient and we know what happened to Sarah Connor and Kyle Reese and the Terminator before and we're what we're getting out of it is seeing how this plays out differently from our expectations what if you had a POV character not unlike the way Sarah Connor was in the first one um, a POV character of J.K. Sim O'Brien as this character when he's learning out about all the insanity that's happening around him like multiple like timelines and uh you know, robots from the future and uh, an that operating system that will kill us all. That would have been better. Yeah. But I do like the fact that he never actually really learns anything. Like, literally, you know, it's like, I need to know something. Just just give me... Uh, we're trying to save the world. Yeah. Oh, all right. <laughs> Done. I can, I can work with that. Yeah, I can work with that. It was uh, great. 
Yeah, I I kind of like in a weird sort of way. This is going to be a weird connection. The comic book preacher, the way they use the character Varsface, that he just kind of bumbles through that entire story and doesn't really understand fully what he's involved in. Yeah, he's kind of like that, where he's he has a bit more self awareness okay. than Varsface. But he's it's kind of like the preacher on this, and I'm like, what? Yeah, but it's <laughs> it's hell? that kind of thing where you're like. I think I'm in a sci-fi movie, but somebody fucking tell me because I think I'm going crazy. Right. And for the past 25 <laughs> years, everyone's looked at me funny, and you're the first people. See, it's so much better to have... A, he was a stand-in for Silberman, I think. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's so much better having him that than the way Silberman was treated in Terminator 3, which was just a t- total throwaway of being like, oh, this is crazy. This was this is what it would actually happen in someone's mind if they really understood that there was time-traveling apocalyptic robots. There's there was so much more that they could have made out of it, but they, but the idea of having right. that, that grounded character is also good because now everyone is a fugitive through time. In the original movie, Sarah is from the time period she's in, yeah. But now they're suddenly in a world that has the internet and has all of this shit that they're all out of their element. I mean, yeah, they never though, they you, never even do the fish out of water stuff that they could with these characters. I mean, even Kyle Reese is is from he lived in this time period, but he lived in like gutters underneath like bridges eating dog food in right. this version of 2017, and he was like a ten year old. So it's like he died before AOL was fully a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the world was gone by then, and it's just it's it's like everyone is out of their element, and they never really take advantage of somebody needs to like wait what the fuck what is an operating system? I lived in a world with pac-man 10 minutes ago it made a little bit sense that that he'd at least have some idea of what an operating system is since he'd been fighting one that's Uh, true because it Hmm. this it the movie does a few things that seems to suggest that terminator 3 is canon Mm -hmm. it does i i can't wait wait what yeah i think it does but terminator 3 assumes that the apocalypse takes place much later than it actually does i know right like in i said this movie is politely requesting that you be stupid <laughs> for the duration of this fair enough uh, you just, just yell time traveling robot yeah God damn cover so your tracks we have been soaking in the sci-fi uh in the sci-fi aspects of this movie um but i don't think we've gotten to really what i think the absolute nadir of this movie is and where terminator 3 favors com- uh positively to this movie and that is Okay, you take away the fighting robots, you take away all the science fiction elements, you take away the apocalyptic elements. What is left of a Terminator movie? Relentless chase scenes? Exactly. Yeah. The chase scenes, the 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 action scenes in this movie were the least interesting yeah. of I agree. any of the... Tra- uh, like, Terminator 4 compares favorably to the action scenes of this movie. The action scenes in this movie were boring. I didn't care about them. They were literally go-to-the-bathroom moments. Yeah. Like nothing, <laughs> nothing. It was just monotonous gratuity. And at least the previous, mo- the previous movies, you know, they tried to do something that made the robots seem more robot-y. Where, you know, you had the the weird politically charged urinal fight in Terminator 3. In Terminator, <laughs> in Terminator 4... You had the, you know, them blowing up the VLA and the weird point of John Connor point of view fights, you know, fight scene where they did something that made it feel a little bit more like the world was happening where this was just chase scenes because it's a fucking Terminator movie and fucking Terminator movies have fucking chase scenes. No, and and they've devolved to a certain point. So this is this ends up being the problem of starting with the Terminator in the first one who if Kyle Reese turned around and tried to reason and talk with the Terminator the Terminator would walk straight up to him and break his neck, right? Mm-hmm. And in and, and especially in uh, in three, and definitely in this one, there's too much like, okay, we're stopping and saying, well, it's inevitable, I'm gonna beat you, or there's 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 too much of like the Terminator, uh, you know, 
going to a stop, standing in one place, allowing some dialogue to take place, maybe to load a weapon and empty a clip into the weapon, when the Terminator should be running full speed at the heroes and trying to lop their head off. You know? Yeah. This is a movie where people act like they know they're in a movie. Yeah. Hmm. And that's the, the big part of it is that the Terminator movies, for the most part, know to have bite. That I know I'm watching fictional characters who are mostly going to survive. But the characters don't know that. They know that they're fighting for the future of the human race, that this is either going to end with them winning or all of this stuff around them that they're blowing up is going to be a charred carbon husk. Yeah, they intimate that self-sacrifice is happening, but at no point does self-sacrifice actually happen. Yeah, and you think that if you've been fighting this thing since you're nine years old and suddenly a guy shows up, falls out of the sky... And not only does he understand the situation you were are in and believe you and wants to help you and you start treating him like garbage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it's like I, I like the fact I like the little idea of her resenting him because of the destiny angle. That's kind of a neat touch, but it comes across as weird and petulant. That the Sarah Connor that I know would be like, Okay, I don't like that backburner. And would would go ahead but with the idea of, I still need to fight fucking robots, and here's a guy who's been fighting robots since he was a child. Yeah. I kind of need one of those right now. And that, that was where Becky kind of came up with this theory of, of the undoing of a warrior with Sarah Connor, is the fact that she's mm. acting like that. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's like, this isn't my Sarah there, Connor. There was a petulance to, yeah, I think you already said petulance, yeah. but that was the word, that was the word. Yeah, she's like, she acts so childish in this, and she doesn't act like... A person who has, and that was kind of the thing with her, is that she kind of becomes, in the, sec, in the second movie, when she goes to kill Miles Dyson, that's that moment, I think Joe Preddy pointed out to us, where she kind of becomes a Terminator. But the thing that backs her off, that stops her, is the thing that separates her from being a Terminator, is that she has compassion. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. she can't mercilessly kill somebody. And But she still has that singular purpose about yeah. her. And they've taken that away from her in this movie. Yeah. But, okay, so car chases. Car chases. Yeah, actually, not not car chases. Um, Bus chases. The thing is, is that they're they're they're, they're gratuitous monotony. They're, they're they're just not good. The crane scene in Terminator Three, much better, much better chasing. Yeah. Well, because even was, with yeah. the Jaguar and part, the and the part of it is we just have spectacle fatigue. I think uh, there was so much that I you know I felt like seeing the bus the bus flipped over on end where I'm uh, like oh well this is they're been all done. dead. This has been done t- twelve times since the, the Dark yeah. Knight because this is just the effect that you do in a huge car. But chase that's scene. a major point that I have with this is it doesn't even do the well on two points and the first one is is there are three scenes with i think the golden gate bridge you got skynet blew it up Mm -hmm. but that gets erased that's fine you have the school bus scene where the the bridge is torn up it is just completely torn up and then less than a couple hours later you have the helicopter scene where the bridge appears to be fine (laughs) this movie this movie has the object permanence of a two-month-old the the movie has the object permanence of an early grand theft auto game is what okay yeah Yeah, that'll work everyone forgot about it and i grant i've only flown helicopters in flight simulators <laughs> but i'm really certain that helicopters don't like every time i have been in that situation where a helicopter is falling off the building i die yeah <laughs> like I, i'm looking for the button that lets me leap towards the rotor blade so at least i go out magnificently and none of the simulators have that it, it it's and becky said is, is just playing with physics or does playing with time does alternate timelines mean alternate physics is that's what is this where we are now in the movie? They went back you know, and killed Isaac Newton. <laughs> you know what they could have done is they could have their, their twist could have been that uh, 
actually all of the world uh, was a uh, you know an ancestor simulation of Skynet. And so that's why they can fuck with physics. coming up with better movies. <laughs> yes. Where you realize that you're just a simulation and this is just the test that they're like, okay, let's do another simulation where you send a Terminator back. And then they finally, at the end, decide on 1984 that these are all... And that would make sense why they don't really act like themselves as characters because this is what a computer thinks a person acts like. Look yeah. at Tommy Wiseau script. And, but that was the thing that's just so fucking bonkers about it is just... You're again, tearing me apart, Kyle Reese. Uh, th- again, this is me bitching about CGI for time number 5,100. But again, I'm going to get to a Jeff Goldblum speech. Just because you can create something in a computer doesn't mean you should. <laughs> it's like, yes, I can make the bus flip 50 times. Yeah. And it's great because I don't have to endanger a stunt person anymore. But you make things that are so cartoonishly over the top that you don't believe it even if it's completely perfectly rendered. And all of the both the last two Terminator movie scenes or two Terminator movies have this scene where I guess either the budget runs out or they decide that it's too expensive to render young Arnold, so they fire an incendiary grenade at him, and now he gets to be a robot. We get to burn which, his face off. Yeah, which now because it's much easier to render because yeah. you know otherwise how do we get the the boxes of graphics cards? Exactly. <laughs> That's the thing. They're too, too expensive. Bitcoin this, mining in 2017. And this is that uh, danger about the recreating scenes to older movies in your movie without just doing the Forrest Gump injection, mm-hmm. because the film grain is going to look different because everything is so fucking shiny in this movie, and, yeah. and clean. But and again, part of the problem we're taking turning a grimy kind of gritty movie that has a James Cameron look into a shiny big budget. 2015 flat, a yeah. flat movie. And yeah. so when you're recreating scenes from the first Terminator. And you have kind of that uncanny valley face and you're uh, redoing performances that you've seen a thousand times. You're doomed because there is no way to recreate those scenes and not look worse by the comparison. Because Mm. you're deliberately asking me to make a comparison to a thing that I love. And the performances seem flatter. The It's not really Arnold. It's clearly uh, computer Arnold. And it it just doesn't feel it. So... And again, don't remind me of a better movie in the middle of your bad movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, the one unforgivable thing for me is don't you dare fucking steal Skin Job from Blade Runner. They do. They do. Although I will say, in the context of Terminator, that's um, that epithet makes more sense for Terminators than it does for because he actually has skin over yeah. a robot. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a better idea. Yeah. Well, while, while we're on, we're, we're back to comparing this to other franchises. Be- uh, we were curious about like. Is the emotionality is is the Terminator becoming an emotional person better or worse than Data getting his emotion ship? I think Arnold over the course of yeah. all of Terminator, including Terminator Two, and I'm going to piss a lot of people off in this moment. I think he does a better, more subtle job with this stuff than Brent Spiner ever does. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> although I don't know that it's Brent Spiner's fault because no. you know it's like the whole the whole for the whole. Uh, next gen stuff. It was like he's trying to build a soul. He's doing the yeah. Gurdjieff yeah, thing. Yeah, he's playing a kid, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I love data. I just want to say that I want to prevent uh, comments. And, and then emails. because the movies are shit, they just go bloop emotions now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's just like him. Oh yeah, I, it's I do kind of like data being insufferable for a couple weeks before he kind of gets <laughs> gets everything kind of working. Where he just like talky tri tricorder, and you're just like. Oh, I fucking hate you, Data. I, I miss when you didn't understand idioms. You just idioms. want to slap him across the face for laughing too much. But yeah, I think uh, Arnold, um, 
I, I, I've always kind of liked his, his robot performance. And I know that doesn't say, it sounds like a backhanded compliment, but I think he actually is really good with an economy of motion with moving in a way that doesn't waste things with little organic movements, uh, that he kind of takes when he does it right. He takes the smile out of his eyes that he has in every other movie where he like, he enjoys dispatching bad guys where in this one, it's just like, Oh, there's an obstacle in my way. And it's not there anymore. Well, you know, it would normally be a backhanded compliment to give an actor that you play a robot better than you play real people. But I think in this case, considering it is the foundation on which Arnold Schwarzenegger's legacy as an actor is placed, it should make sense that uh, he can add a little more flavor and variety to it, considering it's, it's the, it is the showpiece to his whole like persona, right? It, it showcases his attention to physical acting. This is the role that he seems to love more than anything else. He will never say no to playing this. Uh, he will always want to be Terminator. The day will come. Oh, there's <laughs> a day that he just won't be able to do it. And that's period. when we dial up Lorenzo Lamas. Oh, God! Beep, 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 beep. Have him on speed dial. <laughs> Lorenzo, if you could come here, if you've got a motorcycle, and I know he does. He does. And a hundred bucks is yours, Lorenzo. Call me. Uh, <laughs> so I guess that gets us to the, the final two questions. Uh, question the first. Is Terminator Genesis a good movie? Well, honestly, there's a there's a theory that I've been working on, uh, and we named it last night, which is peak actor. Is that uh, very rarely does a movie in the 21st century fail because the acting's bad. I mean, even these, and I, I think part of it is just because we've become so good at churning out good actors that that a Oscar winning performance of 50 years ago is now what be you know is what the extras are doing. And and while the casting doesn't make sense in some cases, and actually, you know, Becky thought the cat Becky really liked the casting for Sarah Connor and that she thought was a, a good actress. Um, they do good jobs. And I'd like to point that out, that I think everybody worked really did did their job to play the characters that they were playing in this movie. Is it a good movie? Fuck no. It's not. It there's no the plot is a complete mess. Uh the 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 fact that it exists in this uh in this timeline of the Terminator movies gets in the way of any real character development gets in the way of any real plot. The fact is that because this is a Terminator movie, you know how it begins and you know how it ends, even though they try to do a change up. It's not really a change up because they're trying to turn it into a franchise because that's what everybody fucking does now. So there's no real termination to the plot. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so it, 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 it nothing this was somebody just spitballing ideas and then grouping it up into a movie and and slapping a Terminator name on it. it it's not it, it's not a movie. I'm gonna say it's the best of everything after two. Oof. It's better than four. It's better than three. There's mm. a real cliff after two. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, uh, duh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it is. It is. Uh, it, it's not. It's good enough to be. Like when we talked about so bad it's good, mm -hmm. it it's the middle, mm. and it and Ooh, it just that's rough. It's just painful. There's yeah. nothing. the The best part of it is what happens in your head when you're trying to create, when you're trying to figure out what the hell is going on, and that's not saying much. And it's a, and it sucks because, like I said, I think this was a well acted for science fiction. This was a really well acted movie. Well, I think I've got to agree with with you. I mean, it's 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 clearly awful. Uh, you said before you feel like. Some of the way the way the plot was sort of put together and the ideas are sort of like over barroom conversations. 
more to me it feels like this is like a reddit thread like somehow someone made a subreddit about how do we make how do we how do we make uh you know the next terminator movie and each little sort of each sort of little plot point they're going to be like okay well the, we need to add a t1000 but the t1000 has to go away okay so they have they're ready with some acid like you know each point seems like like they did with um, The Martian, like Andy Weir did with The Martian, where it was like each point that he ran into some idea, he threw it out to an, a message board audience, and someone came up and they picked like the best answer out of the 20 answers that are there. That's kind of what it feels like, which means it feels like a movie that's by committee. And the, mo- and the moments in there that are, that are done well are either done well because there are parts that you love about the first two movies that you're seeing again, or like the little spontaneous stuff like i think from jk simmons that just works because he's good you know there's something i completely forgot hmm. this movie has the absolute worst ticking clock ever oh, oh yeah it does it, it's, That's the, really it's stupid li- it, it, it it's a how many self- times do you see that 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 graphic of yeah. the countdown it's a completely self invalidating ticking clock <laughs> yes. the minute the ticking clock is established it's irrelevant <laughs> yes. it's literally just a countdown so they have a countdown it serves no function to the plot. It's so you know they the movie have, will end. Yeah, it's they they no because they keep screwing with the numbers. I I think the countdown went up in a couple places. It's, they could have completely edited out of the movie and it would have changed nothing. I just found it funny that Cyberdyne Systems had their uh, their dead man switch attached to all their billboards that went out <laughs> when their building blew up. It's like, you know, fuck you. I know my building just imploded, but I still paid for that shit for the rest of the month. <laughs> you better keep my fucking Genesis billboard up. Um, no, this is not a good movie. And I think, Sam, we went in an opposite sort of direction. But I think we ended up in the same place from yeah. where we were in that opposite. I think I like this movie less now that I've watched it again. Um, this is a, a movie that has a couple things that are almost good and started out kind of promising. I think this is the first time we actually see the non-proto John Connor in a movie. And I think yeah. that's a good yeah. thing. You get to see the John Connor that is that legendary figure, even if you only get to see him for about five to ten minutes. And I like Jason Clark. He was good in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and, mm-hmm. and a lot of other things. And I like I think him too, yeah. I like him as John Connor. And It for... is funny that both John Connor and Sarah Connor have the same last names. The actors have the same last names. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is Clark weird. He's Clark. a really believable John Connor, and it's the he's literally the first believable John John Connor, like the savior of the earth. Capital J, capital C. Yeah. I mean, he's the one where you're like, yeah, if I was a doomsday computer, I'd be fucking terrified of this guy. And the first thing they do with do with him is fuck with him. Yeah. But I like that they set up the movie by by setting up what John Connor means to people. Like, And the idea of framing it is, this is the first time I met John Connor, and this is what he made me believe, and this is what he made everyone else believe, and this is what he did. And then it just goes off a cliff the minute that he lands in 1984. Um, yeah. That's the good stuff in the movie. I think it's the only good. There's just so much hot garbage in this thing. And it's convoluted. It kind of falls down the pit of uh, DC Comics in the 1980s did a thing called Crisis on Infinite Earths that I think has ultimately done a lot of damage. One is that it's not enough that we can reboot something by just starting from scratch. We have to make the reboot part of the story now. Yeah. And most of the time, which is almost every time except for X-Men Days of Future Past, it doesn't work. But Days of Future Past was kind of smart enough to keep it simple. Let's keep it about these three characters, and we travel to just one time, and we try to change it and contrast it with the dark future. In a lot of ways, Days of Future Past is this exact movie, just done better. Hmm. Um, 
it feels like it again tries to recreate things that you're always going to to fail in comparison with and it's just a fucking mess um I don't like the lead characters and I almost find myself rooting for Skynet near the end of the movie. <laughs> Cause if this is what humanity is, maybe we deserve to be blown up. And that's the last thing that a movie like this should make me feel. Did they turn the child Skynet into Matt Smith in order to prevent infanticide in the movie? <laughs> I think they probably did. Okay. I, I think is, but that would actually be a ballsier move. Yeah. Uh, that you have somebody who has an opportunity to shoot a child in the head. Becky was hoping he would turn into Eddie Furlong because she was a teenager girl when t2 came out and oh. apparently every teenage girl had a had a crush on him i didn't know this i didn't know this either yeah but yeah he, I, he just he uh this this john connor unfortunately fortunately for the casting doesn't look like nick stall and eddie furlong will eventually devolve into drugs and going to jail and being lost up the map for several years forget the superman curse what about the john <laughs> yeah, connor the curse. <laughs> just a real curse um at least at least uh, so far christian bale has done pretty well the oh, most yeah, he's true. done is scream at people on the crew that's, that's, true. that's his yeah, curse it's true but i think ultimately what this ends up doing is it leaves us with the end of the movie status quo where nobody really has any meaningful sacrifices. Everyone gets everything they want, and they literally drive off into a pretty pastoral background. And I don't know where the fuck you're supposed to go with here from a story. Well, if the goal is to write you into a corner, they just did it because we built up the whole beginning of this movie talking about how important John Connor was, and now it's like, oh, fuck John Connor. Yeah, you're orphans in time. It doesn't matter if you die. Well, they have the post credit scene, right, where you're oh. seeing the, the rubble at the bottom, and there's like the little core... Of uh, of Skynet still living there, you know. Was there a post credit scene? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't. I it's, I fast forwarded through the credits because they looked twenty five minutes long. They were, but but it's it's like okay, the the rubble underneath, you know, the Oracle building, which is what that was. Um, there's like a little glowing sphere, and it's Skynet still alive. Larry Ellison would have been a better. <laughs> I should have quoted Larry Ellison. Uh, well, then this is the ultimate question now. Is this a good Arnold movie, Sam? I bet you Arnold thinks it is. <laughs> and I that might might that not be a determinator? Yeah, I think he yeah. <laughs> yes. Isn't that, oh, isn't that what they call it in German? I don't know how to address the pun. Determinator. Um, but yeah, I think Arnold loves dressing up in this outfit and getting action sequences and doing catchphrases. Yeah. He fucking loves it. I think that he would do 20 more of these. And he's he's not he, again, he's not bad in this movie. In a lot of ways, he's kind of the worst kind of fan of this, the, which is he just loves getting more of it no matter how good it is. The 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 evolution of a of a killing machine uh by via a a massive fish out of water story kind of works. He sells it. He totally sells it. He um, does the best with the material he's given. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I I think I gave a very uh, a mild, a milk toast defense of of Arnold in Terminator 3 as a good Arnold movie and I can't give that here. I think I think the what's the the artifice that's around his performance again as Terminator as sort of like the friendly protector Terminator um is just so weak um and so full of the referential fan service garbage that uh it's barely Arnold at all in this movie. There's barely him there and he's there because he's a, it's obligatory. There's there's two questions though. Is one is it a good Arnold movie and then the other question that you often ask is is it Arnold canon? Mm. Yeah. And is it a good Arnold movie? No. Is it Arnold canon? 
I think Arnold I, thinks it is. I, I, yeah. I don't know. I it mean, kind of has to be as a Terminator movie. The, the Terminator like movie is kind of that's, yeah. It's kind of obligatory that yeah. any Terminator movie becomes canon. Um, but yeah, it's just it's not a good Arnold movie either because he doesn't he doesn't get to he doesn't get to have the fun. He really doesn't get to have that fun in this movie. The most fun he has is loading bullets into clips. I think I like that. That's scene. it. I kind of I do kind of <laughs> like that. I kind of I know that's one of the most fun scenes he has in the whole movie. And because it, it, it goes from the the it goes from the trope of of you know suitor and father in competition, and then it just suddenly uh it, it suddenly judos into a vulnerability scene about a robot, and he sells it. What is it doing in this movie? It needs to be in some other movie. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I do kind of like the twist of suddenly him dropping the rivalry and feeling bad for this robot. Yeah, where it just kind of stops being a dick for a while. It was a scene where the acting was allowed to carry the scene, which is not what happens in Terminator movies, which and especially not this one, which is why it's the scene that works. Yeah, it's it's like if we were going to cut this thing up with whatever recut redo we do of this script, that's a thing I'd leave in if yeah. you're going to leave it in. Um, would I say it's, I don't think it's a good Arnold movie. Um, I think that, like you said, Arnold thinks so, but I think that Arnold is kind of to, to Terminator what I am to a lot of superhero movies, which is I'm not the best objective judge. And I have to, I have to take that into account that I have a greater tolerance for certain things than, and I think he just has so much affection for a series that made his career. And he has so many positive memories of that keep popping up throughout his career. It's like Terminator is sort of spread out, uh, where you don't just have like five movies over ten years with this. This is his entire career. Yeah, I mean, you also let, let's not lose of the 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 economical fact here, which is, um, you know, he probably made thirty million dollars doing this movie or twenty five million. It's, a, it's an insane. It's an insane amount of money, so you would be very motivated. He's motivated because of his legacy and because mm-hmm. this is this is who Arnold Schwarzenegger is. He's motivated because obviously he likes he he can do this better than anything else in his life, and he's also motivated because he's making more money than any person has a right to make for you know eight weeks worth of work. Yeah, um, and and that's why for him, like he you you're right. He'll do Terminator movies until he cannot walk. You know? Yeah, and I think that I mean he he clearly loves it, but the the humor and the action and things feel much more forced. Like I mentioned the Terminator three feels like I keep having flashbacks about this movie. I know. <laughs> no, but when he It'll falls follow in, you forever. We didn't talk about when he falls in the goop and how stupid that oh, was. When he becomes a yeah, T-1000. I'm, about, I'm about to get oh, to that. Shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh God. That's, that's ultimately the big thing of this movie is what is the moment that Arnold gets um, as a good guy in these movies, which is the big sacrifice, the mm-hmm. big noble sacrifice where this, this person is a person now that he's somebody who's not supposed to feel he's not supposed he's, to feel he's Roy Battied it right yeah that he's yeah. somebody who the, the the Terminator is a character that becomes a person and gains a soul over the course of the movie and you see somebody be ultimately self-sacrificing and will you know the the thing where you will do anything to kill this person he will do anything to save this person including throwing himself into all sorts of physical calamities where he has nothing but a torso at the end of this fight. And that's the kind of death you want him to have where he's against something that he cannot defeat, but he fights it anyways. And he dies to protect this, this charge. And then they fucking undo it. They yeah. rob Arnold of his big death scene. And they do a great setup because you know, we're in a third one. He's an obsolete model. And in this mm-hmm. one, the joke is he's old, but not obsolete. <laughs> <laughs> like, Except like Betamax. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, no, wait. <laughs> Laser disc. Like Betamax used to be. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, and, oh. and then by the end of the movie, they just, just toss it away. Yeah, then they just give him an upgrade by dropping him in a pile of goop, and now he has superpowers, too. Yeah. And you're just like, well, with fuck you, movie. With a shit setup, too. With a, oh. a one-line, cheap, throwaway... Upgraded. Yeah. No, like, literally, uh, the goop does not work unless it has a CPU. <laughs> you know, yes. I mean, is that the first time I've actually tried to do an Arnold impression? I think it is. Um, it can't have been. Everyone has done an Arnold impression before. I think before. I might. Uh, all right. Um... But it, it's the one time, it's like a, just a cheap throwaway line. And the fact that you're doing this in a movie that is all about backstory. Unforgivable. Yeah. I keep having flashbacks. Unforgivable. That's, I might have to change my opinion because I, I'm, I'm, I, I keep going to movies and I keep cringing. Yeah. <laughs> like I keep remembering scenes like, oh, that happened. Oh, yeah. It's like now you're going to be in, in the, the, that insane asylum from Terminator 2. Yeah. <laughs> Just like it, just you're constantly being tormented by robots. <laughs> but that's the thing that keeps getting with this thing is like, I mean, this last movie just hits you with the fact that this is like the Terminator franchise is the Terminator. It's <laughs> it will never stop coming until you are dead. <laughs> yes. I, okay, I have a theory. Woo. I've said it to you guys a few times. I don't think I've said it on the air that the Terminator franchise is modern day is latter day Highlander. It is oh. and to make a James Cameron joke. It has it hit an iceberg and is sinking. Mm, I yeah. think really everybody just needs to back away five steps, let the sci-fi network have it for a couple of shitty movies, and then rethink the whole thing. And then bring Adrian Paul and Christopher Lambert yeah. back for a victory lap. Oh, and then Arnold can team up with whoever the TV version of the Terminator is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. It's oh, good to- Arnold versus Sean Connery. <laughs> oh. Terminator versus whatever his name was in Thailand. Ramirez. Yeah, Ramirez. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, this movie this series just needs to end yeah yes. it needs to end and it should have ended a long time ago i, I really kind of come back to the the sort of ma- mantra that we've come up with on the course of this series of, of this podcast is that you know no sequels except james cameron's james cameron has this magical ability to take a movie that should have been left alone and come up with a worthy sequel to it he did it with aliens he did it with terminator 2 and you should just go, you know what? I came out of that way ahead. I should just stop. But the people just keep plunking fucking quarters into that machine. <laughs> and they're never going to win anything. And it's just like, we keep rebooting it. One, because everyone wants a franchise now. But there's like the, the fallacy of sunk costs that keeps going into Terminator. <laughs> right. It's like, well, we if we keep making them av- enough, eventually one's going to be good, right? Yeah, how many hundreds of millions can you lose, though? <laughs> enough <laughs> that you could have you... probably ended all poverty on the planet, yes. but you just keep making fucking robot movies. Thanks, Arnold. Thanks. <laughs> uh, all right, well, shall we? Yeah. Shall I... we call the franchise Time of Death? Uh, time of Death. Time of Death, uh, January. Ju- January something, 1991. <laughs> <laughs> time of Death. Sounds about right. So, Sam, I just want to say thank you for joining us sure. on this. So, Sam Mulvey, if uh, people want to find you somewhere else, not talking about giant robots, presumably. Um, yeah, nowhere on Earth. <laughs> okay, so uh, plug something for us. All right, well, uh, I, we all, all three of us got together uh, doing a show called Ask an Atheist, uh, which you can find at atheist.radio. I'm on a little bit of a, a, I'm truant from that show right now because I'm spending all of my time working on uh, radio stations in the Tacoma area and where you're going to see most of my effort right now is KTQA LP that's uh, 90, 95.3 Central Tacoma and you can find it at KTQA.org that's awesome um, you'll you, find you on the electromagnetic spectrum yeah, is yeah. where you'll be found uh, I, I, I seem to be building a small career out of out of RF 
stuff now out of broadcast engineering. So, sure. um, but uh, atheist.radio is you, you'll you'll hear content uh, from me or people who work with me every week. So uh, that that that's also a good place to go. Absolutely, please do check it out and check out Radio Tacoma. This is some good stuff. Sam is kind of he's like our technical wizard. That everything he's we now have our now, technical hermit. Now yeah. he's on the yeah. side of a mountain. Oh, he's kind of I like... literally did. I literally <laughs> did just finish two and a half months. Uh, living on a mountain. <laughs> I re- I'm not. This is not a joke. This is a thing that I did, and the jokes just won't stop. <laughs> We're uh, glad you could be here to share them with us, Sam. I had fun. <laughs> That's me smiling. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining us for Terminator Month, and we'll see you again next month. Podcast de la Vista Baby is a production of Radio vs. the Martians and is hosted by Mike Gillis and Casey Doran. This podcast is recorded in beautiful Val Verde in Seattle, Washington. Our chief engineer is Casey Doran, and our editor is Mike Gillis. Our original theme music was written and performed by James Wetzel, with opening narration by Dan Lombardo. Special thanks to Sam Mulvey, Rob Kelly, James Wetzel, Paul Rue, Tobias Panshin, Scott Kramer, Kyle Hepworth, and Dan Lombardo. Please take the time to rate and review our show on iTunes and Stitcher, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And if you'd like to support the show financially, please consider becoming one of our Patreon subscribers. Even just a dollar a month gives you access to exclusive episodes. And finally, you can find us online at podcastalavistababy.com and radioversusthemartians.com. I'm old. Not obsolete. <laughs>